everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. See what it is that God is whispering to you that you cannot hear in the chaos right now. And then just let him lead you to what's next. It's a mystery. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, today is one of those squeal-worthy episodes. You guys, I have one of my favorite guests back on the show and one that all of you guys always tell me you are so excited about, and that is Robin Jones Gunn. Now, I know because a lot of you have told me that she has had just as much of an impact on your upbringing as she did on mine. I started reading the Christy Miller novels when I was 12 years old and still read them to this day all through all of the series. And she has a brand new series out that Christy is involved in, though she's not the central character. Actually, a lot of different members of her family are involved in these new Haven Maker books, which are so good. I'm so excited about. We talk a little bit about how her other family members are involved in the books in this interview with Robin. Plus, Robin just has so much wisdom. Whenever I talk with her, she is full of joy and just such terrific guidance and ideas. And that so comes through in these books. I love that when I read them, because I talk about in the show, it was kind of a hard read for me at first. And I've come back and I've now read the book. And I love how much actual life wisdom and advice I get from these fiction books. I felt like I walked away having read a devotional. I read her books. They make me feel closer to God. They give me wisdom for how to be making good decisions in my life. And I just think that God has really given Robin a gift to be able to teach us in this way. So I'm so excited for us to get on with this episode. But first of all, I just want to really quickly say, if you want maybe some discussion questions to be able to talk about this episode with your friends, or you want to get these episodes early and without ads, then you're going to want to come over to Patreon. We release the episodes early without ads, discussion questions, behind the scenes information about what it was like for me to interview the person and all kinds of other things. If you want to come over and join us, just go to patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We would love to have you join our tribe over there, get into the discussions in our private Facebook group, be able to watch the live videos that I do. We really would love for you to join us and become a greater part of this Cultivating the Lovely community. So join us at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. But now let's get on with this episode with Robin Jones Gunn. Welcome back, Robin. Hello. So good to be back. Oh, I am so excited to have you. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording and it's been almost two years 
So a lot has changed in my life and I can't wait to get an update on how things are going for you. But I know you have this brand new series out, which is super fun. And I just, I have people come out of the woodwork when they hear that you are coming on my show because you have been like an intrinsic part of so many women's like childhoods and teenage years and for a span of generations now what what does that feel like it feels like on saturday when i walked into the local coffee shop and some of the young women from our church that work there i walked in and they go mama robin oh yes <laughs> Feel like it's been so many years and all the Bible studies I do with the girls at church and it's like yeah I'm Mama Robin I love it it's so true and I mean we're gonna get into this throughout the episode but I love you've hit on so many different points of life now I mean from the teenage years, like from the teenage perspective of getting through it all the way through college and then new marrieds and then having babies. And, you know, of course your Glenbrook series takes on mm. some older things, but this is your first book, like specifically tied to the Christy Miller and Sierra Jensen series that deals with like having a little bit older kids and dealing with some more like mature struggles through marriage and finances and that sort of thing. So I'm just, I just want to know like backstory on getting here. How did you go from the last Christy Miller series to this? Well, I wrote about Christy and Todd and their married years and their baby years. And it just was so clear that watching our own kids who are grown now and have their children and the young women that I mentioned that I work with at church, just to see that value of friendship and how mm. difficult it seems to be now to have face-to-face yeah. -face communion, fellowship kind of connections with other women. So I see this whole generation of women who are now in their 30s and they are doing life in all this social media world where it's less and less essential for them to connect face-to-face -face with other women. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what is it that holds women back? And it's a lot of the fears and the timidity of, I don't want to go to that party. I don't know anybody. I feel like they're already friends and I'll be breaking into their group or something. So that, mm. especially if you've moved or... Yeah had to shift your circle of friends or people are in different life seasons. Yeah. So it was about, well, it was 2015 that I was thinking about all these things and writing little notes in my, my writing journal. Hey, this mm -hmm. is an interesting book to write. And I, at that time, I came across an article in Simple Magazine, and it was a study from Duke University. And here, let me just read you some of these statistics because they yeah. stunned me. And that is in the, they ran the uh, study over 20 years. And in the last 20 years, 30% fewer women meet with friends than they did 20 years ago. So wow. it's a 30% drop already. And of course, you know, you have lots of um, 
virtual friends or mm-hmm. yeah or social media friends but that 30 percent drop is significant yeah those who join a club or a book club or a civic organization it's a 58 percent drop wow so think of how it was when you were growing up and your mom was off to a tupperware party let's say or yeah where oh i belong to this group and we're we do some we feed the homeless at thanksgiving or something that mm-hmm. 58 percent drop in all those kinds of connected groups and mm-hmm. then those who have moved away from their hometown in the last 20 years it's a 60 percent increase 60 wow. more people move away and so from leaving that hometown where they have that culture already established neighbors family, friends, church, school, and 60% of us are moving and you have to start all over. And so that's when the wheels really got turning in the book and to create this new character, Emily, who has moved Mm -hmm. and needs friends desperately because everything she's processing, part of the reason why they moved to start fresh, Mm -hmm. but she needs women. She needs those sisters and those friends that will come alongside her and then she has to be brave to take that first step to yeah into the flow of where she might find friends yeah and and she ends up in situations where she has to be there for them too in crazy big ways and those (laughs) kinds of you know experiences are incredibly bonding and they, you know, they leave those indelible marks on you where you kind of have no choice to, to be like, oh my goodness, we, we have a connection that, you know, can't be explained any, any other way. I think I definitely have friends who have been with me through the last, you know, couple of years and even other experiences where it's like, oh, we share something that, you know, I don't share with anyone else. And that's, that's huge. That is so different from just viewing or reading about someone's experience and actually being in the flesh experiencing yeah with them. yeah so it's the first generation ever that has that variation of how we connect with people never since the beginning of time was yeah. that sort of ability to be connected while disconnected mm-hmm. yeah of, and we'll see how that plays out but we know that when we connect and get back into that heart-to-heart, face-to-face kind of relationship, because that's how God made us mm-hmm. to be in relationship with others and to to be helping each other, then that's when we grow at a deeper level than just on the surface of, oh, I know about her vacation because I saw all the pictures of her food. Yeah. Oh, no, anything yeah. that went horribly wrong or how you know yeah those those real true tell me about your vacation and you hear the real stories yeah and even if it's not done via social media like my best friend lives across the country from me and so we talk every single day on marco polo i don't know if you're oh, yeah, we that. Yeah. i love it yeah grandkids. yeah oh i bet <laughs> and so yeah you're very familiar with using that and it's it's different than on social media because we have those conversations. We see each other's lives, but there are still those times. It kind of reminds me actually of Christy and Katie. <laughs> like they're, 
they're across the world from each other. But there, there are those times where I'm having a really rough day or I just need real physical help. And she's like, yeah, I can't do that for you. I can't be there for you in that way. And that's where I've been so grateful for my in real life flesh friends who we're in it together through the thick and the thin. And we can, you know, develop relationships with each other's kids. I know that's a big thing. And even when I was growing up, I was so glad to know my friend's moms and the impact that they had on me and that my mom knew my friends and it's different when our kids are even disconnected from our friends. It's true. That's true. So you can have an entire ongoing relationship with somebody that you, the rest of your family doesn't even know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, I've changed what we're doing in our society and just to figure out what the fallout will be from that if we continue to move forward. Yeah. My, my best friend, I've known her for a little over three years and we just bonded really closely. I have been to see her. We've been on trips together. I've met her whole extended family. I've never met her husband. (laughs) (laughs) Like how bizarre is that? Yeah. It's so strange, but you, and I was thinking about this book, but I think, I think, I think this about every book of yours that I read, like, Ooh, she's going deep and edgy in this one. It's like, well, if you think about, about every one of them, then obviously you just, you go into deep stuff in all of them. And for some reason I just look back and I'm like, Oh, you know, the Christy Miller books. But then when I think back to even the first book, like you deal with hard, real stuff in life. Mm-hmm. And I really, though, appreciated that about this book that you're dealing with infertility and you're dealing with financial struggles and what it means to have an older kid around as you are, you know, making your way through a lot of these things. And so what made you decide like those were the specific like struggles and whatnot that you wanted to bring forward in this book? The financial struggles are... uh, just across the board. I see it all the time. I yeah. hear it all the time. I, I, I know that well. I feel like there's a place that as you move forward, you can come to a sense of contentment with what you have. But in those times when it really drops, mm-hmm. especially with Emily and Trevor, they were used to pretty much having whatever they needed. And it was all kind of available and extravagant in some ways because of his wealthy family. Mm -hmm. Then when they're on their own, it's, are we able to manage the resources that we have and make a life? And that's how the series title Haven Makers, it's just that sense that being able to create a haven in your own heart, being at peace with Mm -hmm. what my life is about, being at peace with where you live and what you have. But Mm -hmm. then it was so fun to write that very familiar scenario of Emily taking what she had, going to the thrift store, you know, figuring out, I'm going to, I'm going to take what I have, put the pieces together and create something lovely. I mean, hello. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That, that I can make a haven where I feel I'm home and where my family can be nurtured. Yeah. The gift. And I think women that do that with their whole heart can live such a 
joy-filled life. So then you're looking at the story of, oh, what a sweet, joyful life. I love how the honeysuckle was growing in the back of Emily's patio. You know, but it was the steps that she took out of the pain and the mm-hmm. downturn to find those things that she could have control over or that she could yes. be able to develop and make beauty out of. So yeah, the financial and just speaking to that in a really simple way as it is in the book. So be happy with what you have and make the most of it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and get on with your life and don't let yeah. it fall down. Ladies, we talk a lot about the things that we put on our skin in this show. But I want to talk about something you might not be thinking about, and that's your sheets. You spend a lot of time in your sheets, so it's important that they are free from chemicals and fungicides and insecticides and all of that kind of thing that can be in cotton sheets. So I want to tell you about American Blossom Linens. They make bedding that is sustainable, ethical, and made in America with 100% American organic cotton. They're environmentally friendly, pure, and chemical-free, Plus, they are so soft. They sent me a set of these sheets and I absolutely love them. I love that they're generously sized so they fit today's luxury beds. They have deeper pockets. Plus, every queen or king set comes with four pillowcases, which is really nice. And they're woven to last a lifetime. This bedding gets softer every time I wash it. Plus, this company is really amazing. It's a female-created and run business, and the sheets are responsibly crafted by families manufacturing in the USA for over 115 years in Thomaston, a wonderful little town in the middle of Georgia, despite the fact that most of their competitors have moved all their production overseas. And when you think about it, imported products take over an 8,000-mile trip on cargo ships from India or China, and they use heavy amounts of fuel and create air pollution, leading to an even bigger carbon footprint. Whereas American Blossom Linens is right here in the U.S., creating high-quality bedding without the traditional markups. The company prides itself on its radical transparency and ethical factories, and without the use of middlemen, passing the savings directly onto you. They always have free shipping, and they have a two-year risk-free trial. That's pretty amazing. So if you want to get 15% off a set of these amazing sheets, you can go to AmericanBlossomLinens.com and enter the code LOVELY at checkout. Again, 15% off at AmericanBlossomLinens.com by just using the code LOVELY. Secondly, as you brought up with the infertility, just the expectations. I had a baby. It's different because for Emily, it's secondary infertility in that they yeah. have Yeah. She's 10. Yeah. But that was easy. She came within a year after we got married. Now we want more and more and more. And, and there are none. And we can't make it happen. And so for Emily to go through that process of figuring out where she can be at peace with God and not put it on herself. What's wrong with my body? What's mm-hmm. wrong with the processes that we're going through to try to make a baby? I have to make a baby. I have. To, what, if, what if you need to just step back and... Mm-hmm. See what it is that God is whispering to you that you cannot hear in the chaos right now. And then just let him lead you to what's next. It's a mystery. Yeah. Just step into the mystery with faith. Mm. All you have to do is believe that God sees you and he loves you and he knows you. And then you take the next step. You can't project 10 years from now. You can't control what's happening right now, but that's the relationship with Christ. It's that daily step-by-step. So those big issues really have the same foundational direction that probably all my books have. Yeah. 
I, I always pray. I always pray before I start a book and I write out the prayer. It's like a prayer of dedication for that book, for the message. I ask the Lord to please give me another story. He doesn't have to. Yeah. But I just hold out my hands. Please, Lord, give me another story so that, that I can share it with those that need to hear this story. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the little boy with the loaves and fishes. Like, I don't yeah. have a lot to give here. But you can break it and bless it and distribute it so that it feeds a multitude. That's the God thing in all of it. So yeah. when I pray, it's always that the readers would find their hearts drawn closer to the Lord, wherever they're at, mm-hmm. let it be just that next inching forward to, ah, this is who God is. This is what he desires. This is what he's doing in my life. I can have joy in the midst of whatever I'm going through and I can have peace because of God. I believe God. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to be super honest with you, Robin. When I first got this book, I picked it up and I started reading it and it felt too hard for me. For some reason, I couldn't, I had to put it down. And I think part of it was that I, at that point, we were still living with family. Like we lived with family for a year and a half before we just moved out a month and a half ago. So that has been a very new thing of us like getting on our feet, but So picking this book back up, I picked it back up after we had moved and suddenly it was like all the lights turned on and I could see everything that Emily was doing in the book were things that I have been trying to do. And all along, I've wanted to make a haven for my family and make a place that you know, we are clinging to those little bits of lovely. And I wanted the home that when we got here to make it feel like a home as she's talking about with her apartment, like it's cozy, it's small, but it's cozy. And all of these things, I just like, I just was overwhelmed as I was reading it now, picking it up the second time and being like, oh, this, this is what that is. And it's just exactly what you were saying about like cultivating those little things. I had a friend or I have a friend who has been going through the foster care system to adopt in this past year. And they have four kids that are biological and then they've welcomed a 13 year old into their home. And so that is, that has been a major thing and wonderful, but so much more difficult than I think they ever imagined it would be. And she recently told me like, and this is going to sound silly. I'm probably actually going to have her on the podcast to talk about it, but she started having her eyelashes done, like eyelash extensions. And she cut other parts of her budget so she could have her eyelashes done. And she said, it's so silly. And I don't want to be that woman who like, oh, has to have her eyelashes done. But she said, it was this beautiful thing, this lovely thing that I could control. There is so much about my life that I haven't been able to control through this process, but I can make my eyelashes pretty (laughs) and it makes me happy every time I see them. And I've felt that way about so many little things. Like I've had people ask me like, why do you get up and do your makeup every day? Like if I was going through this, I would just be in, you know, workout gear and a messy bun. And I'd just be like getting through from day to day. And it was like, 
but I don't want to live like that. (laughs) That's not the life I'm trying to cultivate. I have to take what I can control and make that as beautiful as possible because there's so much that I can't. And so why not take those little things and make them lovely? That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And well, it's interesting because we're rebranding Cultivating the Lovely at the end of the summer. And it sounds like, oh, we're going to go in this crazy different direction. But it's really not. It's really just kind of more of a drilling down on, well, what are those things specifically that we can be doing in our lives to make it more beautiful and to make ourselves feel better in the midst of either something super hard or just even the everyday chaos where moms are just like, feeling overwhelmed by life in general. Like there are little things that we can pull our heads up and look around and say, oh, I can do that one thing to, to make the day feel a little bit more beautiful. And again, with the women coming alongside and yes, years ago, I went to the Canary Islands, which is off the coast of West Africa. I wrote Mm -hmm. Canary Islands. Yeah. And uh, my friend and I, she's another writer and she lives in the Netherlands. We went together to have a pedicure at a place where we had to speak Spanish because no one there spoke English. And they just had little buckets they put our feet in. It was very basic, very inexpensive. They did a lovely job. And <laughs> we're, the two women who are working on us are talking the whole time in Spanish and Anne and I are speaking in English. and no connection with the the two yeah right so we're done we pay them we say thank you get rid of leave the two of these technicians run to the front door and they stand there and as we walk out we're looking at them like what do we not tip and they took us by the shoulders and they kissed us on both cheeks and we asked them in spanish what what what's that for yeah Said, and we, we got the pieces till we understood it from our combined limited Spanish. <laughs> yeah. They were saying to us in, in the Spanish culture, in the, in the Canary Islands, that whenever a woman sees a sister showing herself a kindness, the other sisters must congratulate her. Oh. How do you love <laughs> I just got chills. <laughs> so they're saying... You just showed yourself a kindness. You spent a little money, you rested in the chairs and took, you know, and so now we are all women. We're all daughters of Eve, right? We're all sisters. And so it is our culture, our job to congratulate you for showing yourself a kindness so that just as you're like supporting your friend who's having her eyelashes done, like, well, good for you. That's a lovely thing for you to be yourself. And we just forget that when, when the disciples asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? And he told them, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if we can't do the basics of loving ourselves, we aren't going to be able to love those around us with yeah. that deep, lavish, generous, joyful love. That's all Jesus told us to do, love God and love our neighbors the way we're loving ourselves. That's so true. And yeah, if you look at 
how you are treating yourself. Is that how you would want people to know you as treating them? I think a lot of us yeah. would say <laughs> probably not. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, for us, to, I think we get in our culture, especially as women, especially as moms, there's a little bit of martyrdom that we feel like, oh, I have to give up all these things for my family. I can't take care of myself because I'm taking care of my family. And self-care is, you know, taking on this negative connotation, I think, especially in the Christian culture. And I think we've got that a little mixed up because I know that when I was in the darkest place of truly not being able to take care of myself or be kind to myself in any way, I was a worse mom. I was not being, I didn't enjoy my life. I, I dreaded day to day and that doesn't make us, you know, who we want to be to our family, to our friends, to anybody. Yeah, it's sort of operating out of a mindset of being in poverty in all things, emotionally, physically, yeah. spiritually, so that when we see that, I mean, Jesus said that he came to give us life and give it to us abundantly. So look at the, the just the, the material things you have. That's plenty. I yeah. mean, compared to the rest of the world, are you kidding? Yeah. We're all living in luxury. And to be in that mindset of I'm abundantly able to express kindness and love and care for myself and care for my family and do these things out of a, a deep well that's bubbling over. Because the, the secret is that the more we give out, and this is in the book where Emily realizes I can love my mother even though she really has chosen to not accept me. But I can love her because when I pour it out, the Lord just fills me back up. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go bankrupt on kindness. I'm not going to yeah. go out of love because Jesus will just fill me back up. As long as I'm, I'm trusting him, connected to him, it's his power, it's his love, it's his strength. And that, that line I've heard already, quite a few people asking me about the line in the book where... Um, is it, I think it's Trevor who's, you know, you write a book two years ago and then yeah. <laughs> you go, all I can think of is the book I just finished last yeah. <laughs> which is the sequel to this one. So I'm, yes. yeah, Emily, but in the first book, I think it was Trevor who said, your mom's superpower is withholding approval. And so for that to break through, maybe that's, you know, toward the end of the book. So mm -hmm. you're not giving yeah. away to the readers, potential readers, but that's, her realization that her mom's superpower is this ability to withhold approval. Wow. And it's not her. It's not yeah. Emily can do anything more. It's just that, no, this is how your mom has chosen to live. And again, it's not out of abundance. It's out of a poverty. I've had, yeah. I've had pain, so I have little to give. I'll give you some dinner, but leave me alone. That's I'm your mother, and that's what it means to be your mother, kind of thing. Yeah. So the, the nurturing and the lavishing the love and pouring out from that abundance. And that's what Emily wants to learn how to do with Audra, her daughter. Yeah. I didn't have that yeah. for me. So, how can I even begin to do that? And it's with these other haven makers that come alongside and say, Let's figure this out together. We all are deficient somewhere. But yeah. We sort of fill in those gaps. Yes. Oh, that's so good and so true.
Ladies, I want to talk for a second about counseling and how I think a lot of us can benefit from it, even if you're not going through something big or hard in your life. It can be really nice to just have someone to bounce things off of. Get that feedback from someone who is trained in helping other people, and it can also help you achieve your goals and be more happy in life. This has been my experience. I have loved working with BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room or find a babysitter. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need it. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. All those things so sum up my experience. I love that I was able to specify what kind of counselor I was looking for, whether they were male or female or whether they were someone of faith. And when the first one they assigned to me didn't seem like a good fit, I was really easily able to switch to a different counselor. I love that it can be done anytime. I can get a hold of my counselor when I need it, not necessarily just when I have a specific planned session every week. It's so flexible, it's so secure, it fits seamlessly into my life and helps me deal with the everyday challenges that I'm going through. So why don't you visit betterhelp.com lovely and join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And cultivating the lovely listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash lovely. Again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash lovely. I love seeing how in this book, you know, we're learning a lot of these things, at least from how far I've gotten so far, is through Christy's mom in a way that I haven't really seen her be present. Um, it's, it's, yeah, getting to see things through her perspective and even looking back on the events from Christie's early life from her mom's perspective, I thought was incredibly interesting. What kind of gave you that idea to tie her more into this novel? I remember there was something that our daughter said. My daughter and I have been close. I mean, we've been blessed to be very close. But she had said something that now that she's a mom and she had realized oh, mom, you did this, or you went through this, or you made this choice. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. But, um, it just got me thinking when I was writing the book that at, in, the, in your 30s is usually when you sort of look over your shoulder and say, hey, my, my parents didn't do such a bad job after all because this gig is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sort of a universal awakening then by 40s, you're going, wow, my dad really knew a lot more than I thought he did. But obviously, in your teens, in your 20s, yeah. you're trying to break away, trying to become independent and, and do things your way. And of course, your way is just going to be like different from how your mom did it. Oh my goodness. This is so funny. I just had this conversation with my mom this weekend. And <laughs> how old are you, McKinsey? I'm 35. I see. That's what I'm saying. You're yeah. right in the middle, right there. Yeah. I was like, because we were we were talking about looking back on, like when you're you know nineteen. My you know my oldest is thirteen, and nineteen was when I got married and you know made a lot of choices. And it was like, oh my gosh, if we can just somehow instill into my kids like, 
you're going to think you're so smart at that age. You're going to think you got it all down and then you're going to get to 35 and that highlight reel of every stupid decision you've made, the things you thought you were so smart about is going to be playing through your head. So let me save you a little bit of that heartache. No parent has ever been able to figure I know. out their children. Everybody has to figure it out themselves. Yeah. Every single one of us. But then there is that sort of generational sweetness that comes when you begin to understand the dynamics of what it was like for your mom raising, yeah. you know, your family. Yeah. And then to look at where her influences were from just the generation back. And you just kind of have this humbling moment yeah. of saying, I guess I didn't know it all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wow, I need you mom more than I ever did before because you have this wealth of experience and knowledge and our DNA is so similar in that I pulled away from it, but it's like a magnet. It's pulling me back and I'm, I'm doing the same things, thinking the same way. And, you know, I, yeah wisdom that a mom has to help you navigate through what's next is gold. So yeah. it's the value then to, as it was in the book, for Christy to sort of be so much more in tune in her early 30s mm-hmm. of, and, and a little remorseful that, wow, my mom's a pretty amazing woman. And I never thought that. I was yeah. Because she didn't wear makeup and she was kind of, you know, plain and never spoke up and so quiet. But wow, behind the scenes, she was always giving and always doing amazing things that I never saw. Yeah. Well, and hearing some of her own struggles, like we've seen these stories play out through Christy's eyes, but looking back on what that move from Wisconsin meant to her mom. And that like, oh, this wasn't the house that she expected and they were going to have to rent and giving up her dreams of, you know, raising your kids on a farm and all of those things. But then finding the sweetness of the jasmine and, you know, just things like that. It was, you know, we've heard about the jasmine and the other books, but hearing it from her mom was just, I really loved how you wove that into the story. It was, we, I mean, we hear about these characters heard about him for so many years now but it was just a new perspective on this character that's kind of always been there in the background that I really appreciated good yeah I'm I'm glad you noticed that because I feel like I'm speaking up for mothers everywhere yeah (laughs) come on teenagers appreciate us yeah Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, I think obviously any teenager who is running through the Christy Miller and Sierra Jensen books and all of those is going to probably end up reading these too long before they're at this stage. But I know so many of my peers who read these in these books have kind of been like tracking with us as we have gotten older. I think I talked about in the last interview with you a couple years ago, like there came this part where all of a sudden, I was older than Christy and I'd like gone before her and I was like, wait a minute, this is throwing off my perspective on the world. Exactly. So it's so fun to kind of now have these books that are catching up a little bit to where I'm at in life again and having more of these perspectives of what is going on now that is so fun. And I think 
that a lot of people are looking for because I even had on um, Lisa Jo Baker, the, actually the episode won't have come out by the time this episode does, but she just wrote a new book called um, The Middle Matters. And it's about those more middle years of life and parenthood. It's not when you have the littles anymore. It's like you've got preteens and teens and things just look a lot different than they do when your kids are younger. Mm-hmm. And there's so much written for new moms, but there's not much written in this kind of murky middle period where your kids are a little bit older and you're, and you're experiencing different things. And so I feel like this book kind of, you know, goes more in that direction. Like, oh, it's something for us in this stage that's really refreshing to be able to read about. That, yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree that there aren't enough books because I, I was looking to see, well, who is in this space and what are they yeah. And it was kind of like it was 30 years ago when I started writing Christie. Where yeah. are the books that are giving a role model who's wholesome values and it was just a wasteland. You know, I went, yeah. Christy Miller books are now in audio. So all 12 Christy Miller High School. Yes. That was a huge project, took over two years and it's, I'm, I'm so pleased that it's finally finished and I was on one of the main distributors looking to make sure that everything was linking up correctly. And so just going into what is offered in audiobooks, if you put in teens, mm. teens, juvenile, YA, and I'm scrolling through so many audiobooks that it just was breaking my heart yeah. piece by piece of this is, these are the messages that are being repeated over and over to that age group. How can we get truth into these young hearts to give them courage and hope and a sense of God's presence in this world? Because there's, there's so much that's about other worlds and the mm-hmm. battle yeah. and fighting. And there's, there's not that come back to reality. Let's have a role model that you can look to. And that's where I'm really now praying that in this space with audiobooks, especially because you can just go to your library and check them out. Yeah. There's this opportunity for a whole new generation to get a new story in their heart and mind and have that sense of, of hope. Just Yeah saying earlier this it's depleting in our world today yeah oh and i i love that your books are coming into that space it just makes them contemporary all over again and more accessible for for people and and the fact that they they run this gamut now that we have someone to look to in all these different stages i think is so valuable and and helpful because it's like, you know, the woman who contacted me today and said, you know, I feel like Robin raised me. It's because, you know, I know a lot of people in my generation not, not across the board, but a lot of us were like first, um, first generation Christians and our parents ended up becoming Christians, but, um, maybe didn't have a lot of the background or the ideas about how, to navigate things like relationships in the teenage years in a way that was aligning with God. Not that they were doing anything wrong. They just weren't sure what that even was going to look like. And I know that 
your books helped me so much in that way. But now, yeah, having that person to be able to look to even through these stages of life, I think is just, I just love what you're doing. And I think it's, and it's also very real. I was actually going to reference, um, you know, you talk about, it's, it's fairly early in the book, but Emily is having a conversation with Mrs. Miller and she's saying like, as they were having the conversation that she was so glad she didn't just, you know, as she, as Emily's pouring out her heart to her about these difficulties they've been through, she was so glad that Mrs. Miller didn't reply with all of the verses that some, you know, people were throwing at her or the Christian platitudes. And you know, she says, it, it, here's a quote, it's the little familiar things that help in times of transition, isn't it? Like we were just talking about with like finding those little, little pieces of lovely to cling to. Mm-hmm. But I think that also is such a thing in our Christian culture where when somebody's going through something difficult, it's like, no, it's not, you need to not acknowledge that it's being difficult. Like you're just supposed to be like cheery and happy and, you know, it, it can be almost exhausting to have people throw the verses at you sometimes. Like you just want somebody who acknowledges that it's hard or they get it. And it reminds me of, there's a Jason Gray song where he says, I know someday, I know somehow I'll be okay, but not right now. Mm, that's a great line. Yeah. And yeah. so I love that you acknowledge that. Well, don't you feel like, Sometimes we all fall into this, but we want to explain God or we want to kind of explain what he's doing because we think that will bring someone hope. But who are we? Uh, My husband and I read through the Bible every year and we've just finished the book of Job. And we were both in tears that last chapter because here's Job's friends Mm -hmm. giving him all this advice and saying, well, this is what God's doing. This is why this is happening. You need to examine your heart that, you know, and this whole book is so timeless of how those who really want to help us still in this day and age come alongside with their interpretation. Let me tell you who God is. Let me tell you what's doing in your life. And then you get to the last chapter and God says, where were you when I formed the family? Who are you? Yeah. (laughs) So that. It is in God's power to restore and to give life and to, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. And what he wants is a relationship with us that's so personal that we're seeking him. So then that really is the only place we can go when people are hurting is to say, I, my heart goes out to you. I'm going to pray. That's, I mean, that really is about it because yeah. you cannot explain for another person what God is doing in and through them. Mm-hmm. We cannot. And yeah. when we do, we're right there with Job's friends that I don't want to get a rebuke the way they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. I mean, I've been through, you know, miscarriages where people don't know the right thing to say. And it's like a lot of times I, I would get so frustrated, but I also would feel like, well, they're not saying the wrong thing on purpose. They just don't know what to say. But 
I think it's a skill that a lot of us need to learn to not try to find the thing to say, to just be able to sit with someone in their pain. And yep, this is so hard. I'm here for you, whatever you need. Let me know how I can help you. You know, those are the things that people really need to hear because a lot of times there isn't anything you can say to fix it or make it better. You know, people just just want to be heard and acknowledged and know that people are there for them. I agree. I agree. I just had an email last week from a really sweet friend of mine I've known for 20 years. And she said, I don't know if I ever thanked you, but 10 years ago when I was going through my really painful divorce and everyone was telling me what to do and I, I was meeting you for coffee and I thought, oh boy, what's Robin going to say? And she said, I don't know if I ever thanked you that all you did was you gave my hand a squeeze, told me you loved me, and then you read Psalms to me. I don't even remember it, but she said that I sat at the coffee shop and I just read three or four Psalms to her and told her that uh, she was, I was carrying her around. I held her in my heart and I was going to be carrying her through this. And she said, now it's a decade later. And I look back and that's, that's where I got my strength from God's word, from seeing that he was giving me like a baby bird just here just remember who i am i am your heavenly father i'm taking care of you and those words couldn't come from me i mean maybe i could have said some of the things but it wouldn't have had the same power as just well i don't know what to say so here's what god says yeah yeah (laughs) he loves you he wants you you know he's with you he's fighting your battles and uh it's so interesting that i did not even remember doing that yeah but that she brought it up a decade later. So that's the power we all have. And I think in the book too, we see that with these friends that they're saying things or doing things that it's months, weeks and months later and they're reconnecting on that. Like what you gave me in that short sentence was just honey for my soul. And I, I didn't realize it until now I'm several months away from it. And yeah. it's like Lynn always writing out these little verses that she likes to give to them and writing out this, we are becoming all that God created us to be verse in Romans 12 and I mean, Romans five and how that verse written on a card comes through the story where it's just truth. It's just yeah. word, but it's alive and it's powerful. And for Emily to have that in her kitchen in a little frame she comes back to it. She's reminded. Yeah. God's at work. Yes. So that, that's what we can give to others is yeah. just that love and care and any way that we can say, here's truth. It's God's word. I don't have to explain it to you. I don't have to say what it means to you. Yeah. It's, it's going to abide forever because it's alive. Yes. Yes. Ladies, it's summer. I feel like it's a totally different time than all the rest of the times of the year. And my kids tend to have a lot more questions of me in the summer. And one of the things that I don't want to have to think about and try to use my brain power to figure out every single day is what we're eating. So that's why I use Plan to Eat. I have used PlanToEat.com for five years now. I absolutely love this service and it has been a lifesaver. I am able to plan out my meals 
weeks, even months in advance so that I just don't have to think about it. I can even plan out a week or a month of meals, turn them into a menu, and repeat that menu again later on so I don't have to think about it then. You guys, this is the service that is going to help save your brains this summer. It was created by a family who understood what actual families' needs were in terms of a meal planning service. You're able to really easily clip and organize recipes right from any website so you can use the recipes that your family already knows and loves. Add them to your meal plan, you just drag and drop them onto the plan, and then the software automatically creates an organized shopping list. And best of all, they have a mobile app so you always have your plan and your shopping list with you. No matter where you are, there's no more forgetting it at home or not having what you need when you need it. Plus, when you get started, plan to eat has a full-time support team that is available to help you get started. And they typically respond to inquiries and questions within 12 hours, but usually less. Plan to eat is a subscription service that offers monthly and yearly options, $4.95 a month, $39 a year, and they typically include a fully functional 30-day trial with no payment required. But you guys, for us, they are giving Cultivating the Lovely listeners 60 days free to try out their service. Just go to plantoeat.com lovely and you can sign up for your 60-day trial. That would basically take you through the bulk of the summer. Plan to Eat is a lifesaver. I know you're going to love it. So go to plantoeat.com lovely to get your 60-day free trial today. Okay, so you said you just finished the, the second book in the series. So is there anything you can tell us about that? Well, it's going to be told first person from Jenna Lynn's point of view. Okay. I was wondering if it was going to be like that with like the Glenn Brooks series where it was going to switch perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. I didn't really know when I started, I just knew what the first book was going to be about. And then the more I got into it, I was, I was curious because it felt like in Becoming Us, we really have this sense of Jenilyn's graciousness and she's the host and she yeah. started all this, but if there's, there's a bit of mystery with her, even when Trevor asks Emily, well, how did Jenilyn's mother pass away? You know, what, what did she die of? And Emily goes, I, I don't know. She's never said. So mm-hmm. then I was wondering, and <laughs> that's kind yeah. of part of being a novelist is it can go any direction. Yeah. But I thought, how is she processing that huge loss? And what's going on? She's kind of quiet, but what's really going on in there? So it was, it went, it went deep again. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to reserve any revealing of topics, but just to say that Jenna Lynn is, turned out to be a really fascinating woman. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I think that that's exciting because we've, we've, you know, seen Jenilyn through a few different books now. So it's, it's fun to get to, I, I always like when the next book coming up, it's like, you know them, but you don't really know them. So yeah. that's fun. Oh, I'm, so when does that one come out? We're waiting another year. It will definitely be 2020, but I don't have the release date yet. We haven't finalize the title yet. I'm still, I'm doing the rewrites right now. So it's, it's all in motion. Yeah. And do you have an idea of how many books will be in this series? I don't. Okay. It's one of those things as you probably can guess with a publisher, 
that is dependent on numbers. We have yeah. to see how the sales do and sure. then we book by book by book. And so it was sort of, well, let's take a chance and give you a contract for two books and then see if anybody connects to them. And if so, we can talk about some more. So yeah, it is kind of a crazy making life where, yeah. or like, right, like I said, I wrote Becoming Us two years ago. And now you're just yeah like, like I just told the story yesterday afternoon to you and you're still thinking about it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the, the spacing and the um, process. That's why I, I'm so grateful for readers over the years that have been so supportive and encouraging because that's all that the publisher is going to be able to be dependent yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, this is a really helpful book or this topic is really important. They look at that and that's important, but we don't have the audience. Yeah. Can't sustain. It's just like, like you're saying, I've, I've got to be able to be a mom and I'm working my side hustle and I'm yeah. providing and you know, you're, you have to be able to cover all the bases. Yeah. That's a long answer, but yeah, I, I've got ideas. I don't yeah. know what we'll, we'll do, but yeah, I like these women. I want to hear all their stories. Well, so do we. And I know I'm not alone in that. So I really hope that people really turn out hard for this series because I, I know people love your work. And so ladies, all of you listening, if you <laughs> haven't gotten to know Robin and her work, then this is a great place to jump in. You don't have to have read all the other books. They'll make sense without that, but you can always go back and read them later and it will make it even more fun. But I just, I think that, I think they will be really well received because they're just so fun. And I think they're so needed as we've discussed through this episode. So, you know, here's the interesting thing that's helpful for, I'm finding it's, it's helpful for readers to know if you purchase a book from an author you really like and you purchase it as a used book on an online yeah system right mm -hmm. purchase it as a used book it does not record the sale to the publisher so it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a zero and it's better if you go to the library and check it out really at least the library has to purchase that book yeah and then the the publisher receives that number that oh it was purchased at a discount but you know for the library system and then the library system has is set up so that after so many people check out a book I think the number's 10 I'm not certain then they they need to buy a new book to oh. replenish it um, as an ebook or they need to if it's falling apart on the shelf they'll they'll purchase it so at least it's recorded yeah. So I think that's the most fascinating thing I've learned, especially when I've gone to writers' conferences or I've met people. And at this one book signing, someone handed me a book and she said, I've read 27 of your books and all of them I bought on Amazon at, the, you know, and I hope those as a used book. And um, I, I hope that, you know, that really helped you out so you'll keep writing. Well, I, I don't receive anything back from that. The publisher does. It's like going to a garage sale. I bought yeah. 2073 books at a garage sale. I'm your biggest fan. And, and, and yeah. you're standing here telling me that you, you can't continue writing Sister Chicks because there's not enough sales 
to warrant more in the series. Yeah. And, and yet I just bought 27 of your books. So it's, it's really interesting for people to understand that you really love an author, then yeah. buy it through whatever channel. Mm-hmm. And, and so that it will be counted. Yeah. And will know that they, there's someone reading or go to the library and check it out. Yeah. That's so interesting that the library component would be more beneficial than buying it used. Like you wouldn't think it would have an impact, but it, yeah, if the library has to keep buying that book and, and that sort of thing and renewing rights for the audio, then that's, that's, yeah, obviously the way to go if you can't afford to just buy the book to support somebody. Yeah. And the numbers are counted. That's amazing. Yeah. At a garage yeah. sale, at an online use, there's no, it's invisible. Yeah. And so where do like reviews and that sort of thing fit into helping an author? Is that another component that people can do to support an author that they love? Absolutely. And there was a lot of uh, speculation for a while that if you hit 50 reviews on Amazon, then Amazon would pull your book and put it into a different algorithm and it would have more pop up more times. Okay. However, all those behind the scenes. Yeah. So I just mentioned that to my agent last week and I said, we just hit 50 reviews. I'm so excited. And she goes, well, that's not the number anymore. It's much more. No. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's um, readers who receive a free copy from the publisher in, in exchange for an honest and fair review on Amazon. And they have to, to put that uh, you know, you see that. Yeah. And so when that pulls up, then that review is discounted. So uh, that started saying, here's, here's someone who actually bought the book, who's reviewing it. Yeah. <laughs> becoming rare in the first month or so of a book's release to have those. So it always helps, especially if, and they, I mean, I'm not even saying they should all be five stars. I love this book. It's because it's better if it's, this is the part of the book that really helped me when mm. going through secondary infertility or something, because the publisher is not going to include the giveaways in the summary of the book. But when a reader says, wow, this really helped me, I yeah. really related. So someone's scrolling through say Amazon or a Christian book and they read that kind of a review and yeah. they say, well, uh, that's exactly where I'm at. I didn't know that. Yeah. So those are the kind of reviews that are really helpful because it's not a uh, advanced reader copy. It's, it's someone who bought the book, read it, yeah. pointing out the key things, and those have the biggest ripple effect. Yeah, I bet. I mean, it probably even impacts SEO and that sort of thing. If someone's Googling, you know, novels about infertility and, you know, if if those things come up, that's so good to know. And I think helpful for readers who really do want to support authors, but don't really know how. Do do um, pre-sales, does that impact you? Well, it helps the publisher know how many copies to print. Okay. And so years ago, years ago, maybe 12 years ago, I started an online shop because I had so many readers saying, I can't find book number three in the Christy Miller series. Or, oh, yeah. I have, I have a lot of titles. I have over 100 titles. And wow. some of them being out of print, it's really difficult to get them. And so I started an online shop that has been so much work. And so many times I just 
want to let it go. But especially with international readers, that's a place where they can get the book. So I feel like, ah, this is my ministry. It's not yeah. going to pay the rent, but it's going to get the books to the hearts of those who need it. Yeah. So when we do a pre-sale in my online shop, it allows us to know how many copies to order from the publisher. Because the last thing I want to do is for the, the distribution company in Pennsylvania to have hundreds of copies on the shelf that I'm paying storage space for because sure. I ordered too many. So it's this whole other sort of um, balance of getting the books to the reader any way you can, mm -hmm. uh, not going into debt doing so, <laughs> <laughs> but then encouraging them to support your local Christian bookstore if you actually still have one. Yeah, if you have getting, one, that's the tricky thing. Yeah, get into those independent bookstores. Go to a Barnes and Noble, go to, you know, it's been such a sea change with publishing world and, and bookstores. Yeah. Instead of everything funneling through Amazon, there are ways that you can, as you're saying, support with pre-sales or pre-orders and, and to, to actually buy the book and mm -hmm. then to get to the publisher. I have several authors that I really like, and I feel like every time they have a new book come out, I'm going to buy that book. Even if I don't have time to read it right then, yeah. I love these writers. I want them to succeed. So I'm going to go buy that book and then I'm going to give it as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see them be able to continue to create the art that they're creating. It's more and more difficult and yeah. Yeah. world of artists to be able to stay afloat. Well, and it's almost like becoming a patron of an artist. Like, yes. and I, I mean, a lot of people will hear that and they'll think, Oh, Patreon, which I have Patreon, but I mean, in like the traditional sense of being a patron of the arts, they were people who gave money towards artists just for the sake of the art getting made, for making sure that those artists were able to continue during, doing their work and putting it out there for the world to see or read or hear or whatever. I mean, that's how a lot of the greatest composers and whatnot even survived was because of their patrons. And so I think that we, we kind of need to remember that in our modern culture where we're just thinking about ourselves and what books we want to read. But if we really love these authors and we want to continue to be able to experience their works, then we need to be supporting them. Yeah. That's a really good example of how the arts were so valued and supported that yeah. those who had the, the wealth could come yeah. alongside and say, I'll make sure you can keep eating. Yeah. <laughs> so you can keep doing what you do that we love because yeah. we all and go oh that was wonderful give us some more and you're like well yeah they have to go get a full-time job so that I can support the art or you know yeah yeah I think that's I'm so glad that we had that part of this conversation I mean I know that even as a podcaster when people leave reviews on the show I think they hear everyone on all the podcasts saying like make sure you leave ratings and reviews in iTunes and a lot of people will probably kind of roll their eyes and like oh yeah what does that really do but it really does make a difference I've noticed a marked difference when people are actually reviewing the podcast it iTunes really does recommend the show more often to other people 
and other people are then able to find it. And so it's, it's that balance of like, especially something like this that you just get for free, you know, doing those little things to support podcasters, leaving a, a review on a book, even if you've gotten it from a library, it's not going to cost you any money to go and leave a review, but it's a simple way that you can be supporting the artists that you are wanting to, you know, hear more words from. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm glad we hit on that. Okay. But in wrapping up, what does a typical day look like for you, Robin? I get up early. I always have. I'm an early bird. We live in Hawaii, so the birds are singing at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning this time of year. They wait until about 6 o'clock in the winter. <laughs> but, um, so we sleep with, you know, windows open, and I round year-round. So I wake wow. up with birds, and... I, I love to just get out and walk around our block. It's not a very big walk, but it's so, it's so refreshing. So that's my routine. And if I miss it, I don't feel guilty. I don't, I just like, well, tomorrow morning I'll get up and walk. So I get yeah. up and walk around the block and just pray as I'm walking. I don't have my phone. I don't have anything distracting me. I'm just listening. I'm just quieting my heart before the Lord. And then I, I get to work with, um, and I work outside um, almost nice. every morning wow. and start looking at emails. Well, by the time I'm looking at emails, maybe it's 7.30, 8 o'clock, people on the East Coast are already at lunch. So yeah. <laughs> always, you know, plenty to yep. addressing. And then um, by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm, I'm usually done. Oh, so after after emails and just what's really important, then I uh, get to work writing. Either I'm doing my um, quiet time and journaling, or I'm diving into the laptop to get on to the next chapter. Um, and then sometimes my best time when my heart's ready to just get in God's word is more like four or five o'clock in the afternoon, kind of like tea time. Yeah. Like cup of tea and go, okay. I'm done working for the day. What is it that I need to pay attention to? And I'm so much more prepared than in the morning when um, ah, lots, yeah. lots going on. So it's a balance yeah. back and forth. And then um, I go to, I mean, just a normal kind of afternoon running errands and dinner with my husband. Usually we eat about 5.30 and sometimes we'll go for a walk and when it's sunset or meet up with friends and sit in our beach chairs and watch nice. the sunset. That's such a, such a gift to be able to do uh, that. Yeah. I and then imagine. I go to bed. I'm in bed by eight o'clock. Wow. Because I get up so early. Yeah. But, and lots of phone calls in between there and lots of just um, whatever those holy interruptions, they, they think we think they're interruptions, but it's just divine appointments. Yeah. Days filled with. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Little God moments. Yeah. All right. So how so, about you? What does my typical day look like? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I've ever had anybody ask me <laughs> to turn on the show. Um, well, right now, I mean, it's going to change. By the time this show comes out, it will change because we'll be in our summer schedule. But right now, I get up between 5.30 and 6, generally, and 
I get myself ready in the morning before my kids get up around seven. And so I usually will like listen to a podcast or something. If I'm real, if I really got it together, then I'll wake up and I'll do like a short yoga thing and spend a little bit of time just reading the word in a really simple way, not like doing an in-depth Bible study or anything right then. Um, but just trying to like get my brain woken up for the day. Yeah, yeah and, I get that. I yeah, get that. yeah. And so then I get ready and I, my kids get up, I get, my son gets up on his own and my girls get up and I start, you know, getting everybody's food and all of that. And we get out the door around eight to go to school. And then I come back and I've got still my four-year-old with me and she usually just starts playing and having snacks and sometimes watching a show and I just get down to work. So like today I did auditions for about an hour because I'm also a voiceover artist. Yeah. So I was working on auditions or if I have a job, I would probably be working on it right then. Right now I'm working on one of Trisha Goyer's um, audiobooks. So I'm trying. So cool. Yeah. So I'm working on a series for her. I did the first book. I'm working on the second book. So I, I fit that in as I can. And then, yeah, it's a lot of answering emails. Sometimes I have an interview like today. Um, I'm getting, I'm in the process of getting agents for, um, my voiceover work. So I'm doing a lot of back and forth talking with agents and that sort of thing. And we're also working on the rebranding of Cultivating the Lovely for the fall. So I'm busy filming videos and, um, just trying to map out exactly what that's going to look like. A lot of days I'll have to do the ads and intros for the podcast and get those sent to my podcast manager. So there's a lot of little pieces. And then in between all that, we have a Patreon community. So trying to get all of the content for the Patreon community and get that out to them as well. So lots of little pieces throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. And then fitting in, you know, interruptions with the four-year-old and I try to get her down for a nap in the afternoon, which helps me to get a little bit more focused work done. But then we leave to go get her siblings from school at about 2.45. And then the rest of the evening, generally it's wound down now because we don't have as many like activities going on because the end of the school year is here. So ballet is over and tutoring is over and those kinds of things. But it's just like doing, getting everybody's homework done and trying to spend some time with them where I'm not distracted and making dinner. And then generally I try to get my girls to bed by eight. So that process, you know, starts a little earlier so I can read with them and whatnot. And then my 13 and 13 year old and I generally sit down and watch some show together that is a lot of fun like we watched Downton Abbey together this past year that's great so much fun and he was so into it which I didn't expect and so he's all geared up for the movie that's coming out this fall and so yeah we just spend a little bit of quality time together before he goes to sleep and then I generally read for a while and then go to bed and start all over again the next day. <laughs> all over again yeah so that yeah I've, I haven't had to answer that before um how are you currently cultivating the lovely in your life is there any one little thing that you're doing Well, as I mentioned that tea time in the afternoon, I did that years ago. We lived in Portland, Oregon area for years, and um, it was a lot more 
it's sort of instinctive to have tea in the afternoon because it was yeah. cold and rainy. Yeah. But I've I've been starting to do that again, even if it's iced tea or whatever. But it's that stop, like pause, yeah. Selah, just yeah. take a breath and relax. And that brings out a lot more loveliness in me and in my thoughts and the ways that I view what I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm on the hamster wheel yeah. if I pull back and have a look at what's really important. So um, that it, that's just been the last few weeks and it's been lovely. Oh, that sounds really nice. I think I need tea time. You want to come over for tea? I, I do. <laughs> I'll just hop on over. You know. I know, but I'm just even thinking about giving yourself, like again, it's congratulating your sisters when they show themselves yeah. kindness so that you're taking that time to say, this is needed to let my brain cells stop vibrating and just listen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think that's good. It kind of reminds me of the, the thing that I've been doing is um, being able to connect a little bit more in real life with friends, uh, especially heading into the summer, which is appropriate for you know, mm. our conversation today. But we moved about a month and a half ago and we, all of the houses we've lived at, we've lived at three different houses in the past year and a half um, because of living with different family members and whatnot. But it's kind of funny because I have this one friend and almost we've almost moved in a circle around her. <laughs> like every house that we've lived in has been within about the same distance of her house. And it just so happens that the one I'm in now is like across the river from her. If we're sitting in her backyard, we can see the roof of my house. Like oh, across that's fun. The way. And so we, uh, there's something about that that just makes us feel like, oh, we're even closer to each other. And just sort of out of happenstance where, she's had to watch my kids when I've had something going on or whatever. We've kind of had these like times where I'll be able to come over and just hang out with her afterward. And it's kind of becoming this thing we're both sort of craving now, like, oh yeah, we need to carve out that time this week where I'm going to come sit on your back patio and the kids are going to play and do what they're going to do. And we're just going to enjoy the, you know, looking at the river and chatting together. And we've had all these great conversations and it's not like some big planned thing. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, we'll make sure to do that. And it's just been this lovely time of connection with her and getting to know her even better and enjoying each other and our kids enjoying each other. And it just feels like this sweetness coming into summer and it's just been very life-giving. So I love it. That's yeah. beautiful. Keep doing it. <laughs> yes, I know. We, we have plans for the summer, so it's going to be really good. Well, thank you so much, Robin. This interview went so long. We had a lot of interruptions, but I just appreciate everything that you had to say. It's always so rich and full, and I love this new book and this series, and I hope that people do all the things to be supporting it. I really appreciate you inviting me on, and I, I just want you to know that the Lord is with you, and you are in a position where you can give such hope and light keep doing what you're doing and just know that he sees you and he loves you so much Mackenzie. well thank you i i appreciate that more than you know so thank you and best of luck with this new series thank you aloha oh 
Do you feel as like full as I do having listened to Robin? She's so wonderful. And are you anxious to be reading these Haven Maker books? Well, you can go to boldturquoise.com slash 122 to be able to get the links to everything that we talked about in today's show. I would love to have you hop over there and be able to find all those links. Plus, if you use any of the links that go to, say, Amazon, it helps to be able to support our show, but doesn't cost you anything extra, which is really awesome. And if you want another way to be able to support our show that doesn't cost you a dime, you could head over to iTunes and leave us a quick rating and review. Five stars would be nice, but it just helps iTunes to know that it should be recommending the show to other people. It helps us get higher in the ranking and just really helps the show all the way around. And it only takes you a couple of minutes. So if you haven't done that yet, it really does make such a difference. It seems silly, but it is hugely impactful. So any of you who haven't done that yet, and I know there's a lot of you, There's thousands of you who haven't yet. So if you could, if you want to just like send a little love my way, that would be awesome. And I would so appreciate it. Just go to iTunes, search Cultivating the Lovely and leave us a quick rating and review. Okay. Other places you can obviously find me are on Patreon at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We'd love to have you in that like inner circle tribe of ladies over there. But I also love to chat with you guys on Instagram. It's my favorite place to be. Follow me at Mackenzie Coppa. Watch me on stories. Message me. If you have a question, I'll video message you back. Yep. That's what I'm saying. I love to talk with you guys. So please come over there and interact with me. It's so much fun. So find me at Mackenzie Coppa. And I think that's it for this episode. So until next week, go be bold and gracious.